If you weren't paying attention, if your eyes glazed over, you probably think the Chicago Bears left Cleveland with an emphatic 17-7 win. But, oh no, they did not. Suddenly, victory was snatched away from them at the last second for the third time this season, and the Bears fell 17-20. to Tough, tough game. A lot of positives to pull from it, but... Maybe some nails in the coffin got placed there too. Nick and I'll break everything down on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz here with Nick Whalen, my co-host. I'm the editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog. Here's here from Football Guys. Nick, how are you doing? What what a tough one. Uh terrible. I I you you texted me. You know, saying to get, you know, getting ready for this. And I just said, do we have to? Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at because I, some of the other losses, I mean, Green Bay sucked. Some of the other ones right. obviously, you know, hurt this year, but it's like, okay, we're bad. This one, I expected to win. My prediction was expecting to oh, yeah. win for three quarters, expected to win. And then we lost. So this one is just extra painful. On, on a Browns team, that got even more injured right away when they lost one of their offensive linemen. They were down to four backup linemen, and we still couldn't beat them. Uh, what really hurts me, Nick, is you talk about how you predicted a win. Both of us did. We went on the BFR podcast. They asked us, how confident are you in this game? You said nine out of ten. I said nine and a half out of ten. One of the bold predictions that I pulled out from that show was I think the Bears offense is going to score as many or more touchdowns as the Browns offense does. And man, for three quarters, we were nails, not we, the Chicago Bears. I mean, everything you and I said, it was just like, yep, chalk. Yep. Defense is going off. Eddie Jackson nearly returns a pick six. It gets caught or like gets cut down at the one yard line. Spoon feeds the offense a should be touchdown that, of course, they made difficult. And then Justin Fields like push the ball into the end zone. If that wasn't enough, Tremaine Edmonds returns a pick six off of TJ Edwards' massive hit as the Bears are dominating the entire game. Three more picks of Joe Flacco, a bizarre fumble that isn't called a fumble, it was called an incompletion for reasons that will not make any sense to me when Flacco just chucked the ball out of bounds, like off his hip, no less. It was it was awesome until suddenly it wasn't. And a defense that has not given up nearly any chunk plays at all, Nick, suddenly gave, what'd you say, four? 51-yard touchdown to Amari Cooper, 30-yard bullet down the sidelines of the, that's a blitz beater. I mean, there were just, there were so many things that went wrong. And all of this, after the Bears had shown unbelievable resiliency, for instance, Nick, I can't tell you how excited I was to see a rookie corner watch his punter muff a punt and on the very next play jump a seam route that based on the way cover three works, he's not supposed to be near. And he jumped it anyways for a massive play on the goal line. I am stunned. There is like the, the positives dare I say, outweigh the negatives in this game until you look at the scoreboard and none of it matters, especially when you had to win out and you lost the first game. You know what I mean? I mean, just, it just, it, it's sickening. Like that's how bad this is. It's sickening. So I've, I've just been doing more math as, as you've been talking. So yeah, I, I kind of calculated up some stuff. Um, the first three quarters of the game, Chicago was allowing 3.4 yards per play. 
3.4. Yep. And to give context, Chicago was also gaining 3.4 yards per play. So again, just bad offense everywhere. Yeah, and you know, the rain, you know, we all get it, right? In the fourth quarter, and then and now that that's including the one explosive that Cooper had uh on the scramble play where Stevenson got beat for 42 yards in the second quarter. In the fourth quarter, the Browns had a 57-yarder to Godwin where he had the the post which is the typical cover four beater, right? And they yep. sucked up Brisker. And then the 51-yarder touchdown to Mari Cooper, which honestly just it, that play reminded me of the Minneapolis miracle where like the safety's like between the hit and the pick and then so then he doesn't do much. He gets a touchdown to tie it. And then in overtime or not overtime, sorry, late fourth quarter, Stevenson takes the post which the safety was there for the post. So let Najoku easily open on the corner up for 31 yards. And then I have no idea, Robert, what was going on at third and 15, where you let Najoku free and you drop Justin Jones, which I get it on a shallow. It's third and 15. What, what, do, what do you think you're doing? Third and 15. That's the time to be conservative. Give them whatever. They're not in field goal range. Like what are we, 34 yards there. They had 195 yards in the fourth quarter. On 23 plays, Robert, 8.5 yards per play. What a joke. And what hurts me, Nick, is that, you know what? If this is a one-off game, this stuff happens, right? Like, I think the Miami Dolphins, sure, they've got plenty of issues, but they just allowed one of the most ridiculous comebacks not even a week ago on Monday night to the Titans, right? You look around the league. This stuff does happen. It shouldn't happen three times. This feels way too same song, different verse right? This isn't even the worst blown loss of the year. There's two others. And <laughs> you start to stack these things up and you go, why does this keep happening? Like they, to your point, they weren't even soft in coverage this time around, but Stefanski still had them solved by the end of the game and called zone beater after zone beater. You mentioned Tyreek Stevenson getting sucked up. He takes a route that you need to take when you're the cover three corner and just allowed, I thought it was an over. It doesn't matter if it's a corner and over David or yet Njoku to just waft into wide open space at a time when you just can't let that happen. If anything, the bear or the Browns got in a field goal range so fast, it still gave the bears a chance to pull the game out of the fire there at the end. I mean, what a tough 30 to 45 minutes of football as Carolina pulls the win out. This is a joke, by the way. We're all focused on the Bears. But Carolina pulls a win out just as the Bears lose and the playoff hopes feel like they died the very moment they were born. And I don't I don't know, man. Like, there's so many things to talk about. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk offense? Do you want to talk defense? Do we take this chronologically? Like, we're, we're shooting from the hip here. But after a loss like this, you almost start to feel like the first three quarters didn't matter. Or at the very least, they, you know what? I'm going to throw this at you, Nick, right? We'll talk about Justin Fields in a little bit, but I hated, let's start with things we hated. I hated Luke Getze becoming a full turtle in the early third quarter, as if 10 points was plenty. This is why 10 points, a 10-point lead is not plenty. Because at the end of the game, you never know what can happen. And it's why good teams like, hey, the Lions, who the Bears just beat recently, will score 35 on a team that they're already beating by four or by three touchdowns. You know what I mean? Well, you get conservative. And then when it's time to get conservative, 
then you take risks and we're throwing it down the field. We have that it's second and seven. We run a deep play action with blasting game, missing the guy off the edge. By the way, our running backs could not block for the life of them today. No. And if you're going to have, you know, um, I think a green dog is what you'd call it, right? When your linebacker comes, if your back's in protection, then what you do is have Justin roll because they're going to come up the middle. Like there's so many things you could have built into this. In terms of running, I, I calculated this up too, Robert. How many negative run plays do you think Chicago had today? Not not like zero yards, like negative one or worse. I get one question, and that question is how many run plays did they have total? 27. Okay, I think they had nine for negative yards. <laughs> they had eight. That's a good guess. Okay. <laughs> 30% of their run plays went for negative yardage. How does that happen? I have one big idea here. Uh, a couple of them happened on Justin Keepers, and he got down, which I understand. But the one thing that in Luke Getzi's head, he's like, hey, this will work. And then when it doesn't work the first, like, four times, hey, let's run that a fifth time, is crack toss mm -hmm. to mainly Miles Garrett's side. I don't know. I don't think Cole Komet can block him one-on-one, -on -one. but who am I? I'm just some guy on a podcast. I've only coached before and look, it didn't work any of the times Luke Getzey. You're an idiot. Okay. That's one thing that bugged me. I have one other thing that, that is just heating me up. Okay. Robert, and Tell this me. is situational football, right? Situ which is huge. Okay. Before the half, right. We threw the Hail Mary. Okay. Right. I want to walk through that a little bit. It's a 52-yarder, and from what, what Eberflus had said, what it was uh, into an eight-mile-per-hour wind, and he didn't want to try it. Okay. It's fourth and four. Seven seconds left, and you have a timeout. You can't get a playoff? Anywhere I thought. I thought that Anywhere was crazy. Or, or, we've seen this happen before, where you can spread them out, you can get the Hail Mary formation. What do you think the defense is going to do? They're getting ready to Hail Mary formation. Just want a quarterback draw for fields, get whatever, get down, timeout. We saw the we saw the Cowboys try this and didn't, it didn't work for them to spike it. But we've but seen we have a timeout. But we've seen the Rams, we've seen the Packers, we've seen all kinds of teams line up in that Hail Mary formation and run an out. And, for, and it costs you five to six seconds. Like mm -hmm. if if you do this thing on time, it's not that long. And sometimes no. you could even do it in four, depending on if you're really just throwing a heater to that outside side. Yep. So, mean, so, that, so that you get five, six, seven yards within seven seconds. Very doable. Now it's a 45 yard field goal. That's, I don't care in the elements with Cairo. Yeah, let's do it. I would even say, even so we should have tried it, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to complain about not getting the rougher, the passer call, which was a joke, by the right. way, at the end of that Hail Mary. Okay. End of the game. Same scenario, Robert. Mm -hmm. It's a 62-yarder to end it. I understand. That's a little far. Second and 10. 10 seconds left. Incomplete pass to commit. Okay. No timeouts. Five seconds left. Third and 10. They do the Hail Mary. If you look at the right side of the formation, there's, there's DJ Moore's over there, kind of alone. And the DB is 10 yards off. You're telling me you can't throw a five-yard. It doesn't have to be an out. Just he just runs five yards to catch it. The guy's not going to be, he's not trying to trigger on his T step and come forward there. Right. So that would make it shorter in terms of if you want to try the field goal, which I think at that point you almost have to, or a better Hail Mary. But like 
those are two situational things that are just very logical. And if you were going to do the Hail Mary, Robert, here's the other part. There's 10 seconds left in the game. And the second and 10, when you try to do the incomplete, uh, when a commit were whoever outside on the sideline, throw the Hail Mary then. Because if you don't get it there, it's incomplete. Then you might have time for a second Hail Mary. You know what I mean? Like, like there's different things you could do here versus, you know, hey, we have to get a little bit of yardage here. Because if in your mind you're said, hey, I'm not going to kick a field goal, okay, then do the double Hail Mary route. But if you're thinking maybe field goal, then you should have tried another one to DJ more before the Hail Mary on third down. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. The main thing that I would be thinking about if I was a coach is that I'll be damned if I'm going to lose a game because our five-yard out didn't happen fast enough, right? Like, I could understand basically just getting fritzy there at the very end, but I think everything you're saying about what happened at the in the first half is completely illogical. If anything, I remember they didn't line up for the kick. They instead lined up for a Hail Mary. Justin Fields gets a hit an extra time, and I was sitting there thinking, really? That's it? Like, I mean, they come one Darnell Mooney snow cone catch away from being able to say that they were in field goal range, but that stuff happens. If anything, it was surprising how well the Bears had walked up the field before then, and then nothing to show for it, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it's an incredibly frustrating offensive day. I mean, you mentioned the toss crack stuff that they kept running at Garrett. I get why they thought that they were going to pin Garrett. It's a lot easier, you'd think, to pin that defensive end on that side. But I mean, for crying out loud, this kind of reminds me of when Matt Nagy ran straight at Aaron Donald and he just ate the game alive, uh, <laughs> trying to block Aaron Donald with like Rashawn Coward for nearly an entire football game. And if anything, Nick, part of me sits here looking at this game thinking we didn't really talk about this over the last couple of weeks, but I think it's been burning in the back of our brains ever since that Lions game happened. We didn't run the ball well against Minnesota. We ran it really badly against the Lions last week. They've been, you get these occasional nice runs from either Justin Fields or Deonta Foreman, and most of the other runs are non-viable, right? I don't know what happened with this Bears running game because last year they seemed like they were running it productively with literally any lineman, no matter how good or bad they were, that they put into the game. And Right now, it just feels like it lacks ingenuity. It feels like it lacks detail. They can't seem to move anybody. I bet you a lot of that is the fact that they're facing these seven to eight man boxes that are partially because they keep condensing the formation. And you can't yes. get you can't convince me also that they're not partially because the defense doesn't mind letting Fields throw the ball. And that's I I don't know. Maybe that's too harsh. But right now, Fields seems as if he's dangerous when he's throwing deep. He had a gorgeous gorgeous back shoulder ball to DJ Moore early in the game. He had that awesome throw to Robert Tanyan that Tanyan couldn't hold on to for no reason, stuffed the ball into Komet's hands uh, on that early touchdown. And then, man, I don't know where the other 30 attempts were because when I think about Justin Fields' game, I would have guessed that he threw it about 24 times. ESPN has him logged for 40 attempts. Do you remember all these attempts? Because I don't. Well, well, in my mind, he had... I would say probably 20 either throwaways or literally just dump offs because he had pressure. Um, You're right. There were a lot of throwaways yeah, and dump offs. A ton. I mean, that's, a, that's the thing is like people, you know, uh, completion percentage. Those are smart throws. Like he took very few sacks, which he could have taken way more due to, I would say, running back pressure, some interior O-line pressure, obviously. You know, yeah, that's the one thing that bugs me too is that in terms of formations, I 
I know we're we're pretty obsessed with Cole Komet being on the field and being a blocker. I've not been very impressed with Cole Komet's blocking, if I'm no. being honest. And, no. you know, Mercedes Lewis, I really like his blocking. But when he's in the game, what do you think the defense thinks happening? Oh, we're running the ball. <laughs> so, so, I mean, honestly, if you have an athletic quarterback and he's struggling with his reads, spread it out. It makes it easy. You can go two by two. You can go three by one, whatever. They can't have eight in the box. They've eight in the box. Easy throw. Right. They have seven in the box. Easy throw. If they have six in the box, you read one guy. Now it's one-on-one blocking or QB keep one-on-one blocking. Like, mm-hmm. like you can simplify it. They, they can't play the games that Minnesota's playing. Like to me, you're really playing into defense's hands in terms of making it more difficult for Justin. Um, I understand the whole uh, chipping the defensive ends. I'm okay with that part of it. But in terms of all of the other condensed stuff, you're not making it easier. You're making it more difficult. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help anything that like, especially early on, you had some of these flash moments where Justin did something that we've been begging him to do. And it was very exciting. He hits a 20 yard over the middle completion against zone coverage to dagger. Like he hits the, we talked earlier just a little bit about the throw that he hit to DJ Moore along the sidelines, which felt like either it, either it was just a planned back shoulder ball because DJ kind of did have a step on his corner where I could have envisioned a rainbow ball there. But also, they may have had some kind of trigger or sight adjust there for a back shoulder. Either way, the ball was really well thrown and really well caught. DJ rules. But for whatever reason, Nick, felt like DJ Moore kind of exited the game plan there in the second half. And we got to see, hey, what is this Bears offense when DJ Moore isn't playing? And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, DJ is carrying this unit because it fell apart so quickly. It was fun seeing Bayless Jones and Tyler Scott's speed when they got involved at time to time, but Tyler Scott could be best typified by the last two plays, not the literal last two, but the last two plays with his name on it in the game. You've got a deep ball that he was open for, only a moderately difficult NFL catch. We drop it. And then the very next play, his speed helps him leg out way more yards than he should on a swing pass where he had some room. But geez, Nick, not that much room, right? So rookies are inconsistent. Young players are inconsistent. But I don't know. I mean, help me sort through, I guess, my feelings on this because I end up looking at this this game in particular, thinking the offense was worse than the sum of its parts. I really liked the way that the tackles held up against some dangerous edge rushers. I thought Cody Whitehair filled in relatively fine, but man, the weapons were so, so poor today. And uh, there were a couple rushing lanes that I just can't help but wonder if Fields had taken them. And I know I'm the guy who wants to see him throw the ball, right? But if he had just decided, screw it, they're playing this much, man, I'm going to run. But for yep. all I know, we're going to turn on the tape and Joke is going to be sitting there in spy position and Fields, justifiably, is going to be saying to himself, I'm not beating him in a foot race. He'd probably be right. So you tell me, how how, how do we feel about this? Because we went from we're going to go eight and eight at least and then we're going to square dance with the Packers to the playoffs to never mind, LOL, maybe it's all over. Like, yeah. are we being yeah. dramatic or do you feel swung too? Well, no, I feel swung. I have a few other things about the game. And then if you want to talk about coaching and whatever else too, but so, you know, and I'm not sure how much people are watching other football games. You know, there was the, the play, um, Tampa Bay had where he crossed the goal line where they replayed it because they really want to make sure he scored before he almost Leon leaded that play for the old people here that come up with the Super Bowl play, you know, and then Arizona just had a uh, touchdown called back on special teams they had on San Francisco and got replayed. 
Why was the David Njoku touchdown not stopped and replayed? I can actually tell you why, because they explained it on the broadcast. They, They saw a distinct dragging motion from his left foot, and they called that a toe drag and basically said that the back part of his heel was not mandatory for the catch. Really? That's that was what they said. I thought the same thing. That other foot didn't drag, but his first foot dragged. That's what made it. You're going to have to ask the officials, but that that was their explanation on the broadcast. I assumed they got it straight from the officiating crew. To be honest with you, Nick, I would hope that's a catch, right? I've always thought the heel rule is kind of silly, given how often we get these toe tap catches. And if I got to choose, hey, when the Bears end up in this position, do I want that to be a score or not? I'm totally fine with it being a score. Well, right? to, to me, I'm, I'm fine with it being a score, but take a minute, stop the game, and look at it. It was like not, it was just like, eh. and I'm just like, eh. and that was a heck of a throw by Flacco, by the way. Okay. Um, so Flacco so that did one. make Flacco made some throws, but he did make throws. boy, did the Bears put him in a blender early in this game. Anyways, yep. you were gonna make a point. Yep. Go for All it. Right, they, yeah, they made they made yeah they made him look great there in the fourth quarter. Um, okay. So, how much would the game have changed if Robert Tunyon not scored a touchdown, but just caught the perfect ball that Fields had on play action, stepping up in the pocket, which he doesn't do often, deep, was what, probably 60 yards at that point that he dropped it? Um, so, that's one. You talked about the Scott one and the Mooney one. We have to talk about those. But then you have the the third down jet sweep on a third and half a yard. Like... I mean, this is a phrase I say, and, you know, people could say I'm being a jerk. You're not underthinking it. That's, <laughs> I mean, holy buckets. You 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 pound away, or you tush push it two times. Because I remember when he was under and I looked, they were condensed down. It was over the center, I think both A-gaps. So then I would do the take the snap, move over slightly, and go B-gap, and there's only one guy. All Darnell Wright just has to take on the DN and it's and it's there. Yeah, maybe you get some contact from a linebacker, but who cares? You need half a yard. Do that two times, get the first down. Again, we are changing the score because then you're, I think, close to field goal range. And then the fourth down trip. I mean, that was a great play by the defender, but a great play call. I mean, there's just so many things that had to go wrong here to make this a game. And it's just totally. here, here's the um, I know you always, you always like to say tinfoil hat. That's not what I don't think this is. But <laughs> if you if you want to think about it like this, Robert, I'm ready. Is this is this the most? I mean, like like a divine power is like aligning to like we want this to happen. Like the Bears have had three epic collapses mm-hmm. to lose games. Mm-hmm. They had the Colts. Texans game last year and the way that it did to give them the number one pick. Right. They had the trade down, which I mean, hearing more about Ryan Poles trying to do the double trade down makes me love him like even more. It's right. just like, it's like, it's like us on, you know, PFF mock it draft really simulation or like coming up with some cracked Madden, out like, idea. <laughs> what if I trade down to, you know, Bears trying to trade down, like, well, I traded down six times. I got like eight first round picks next year. Right. Like, okay, I get it. You know, like Ryan Poles sucks. Why did he do this? <laughs> yeah. So like align all these things, right? Right. They're preventing the bears from winning. They gave them the number one pick, which I know Carolina won. And we'll talk about more of that later. Like they, they got all this capital going on. It just seems like it's destiny that we're going to reset this whole thing. I mean, I don't know 
I can't say for sure whether we are or aren't going to reset this thing. It feels like we're going to, to me, but I don't live in George McCaskey's brain, nor do I want to, right? I mean, the defense still played well, but as far as like the heart and soul of this team, right? It is hard for me to rally behind a team that continues to blow fourth quarter leads. I mean, it feels poisonous, toxic even. There are some of these other teams, like let's use a stupid example that nobody's going to like. Green Bay has this bizarre habit of rallying in the fourth right now. At times, Love will do nothing and then they'll rally or like for, for three straight quarters and then they'll rally in the fourth and make it a game. Didn't do that today because Tampa, would you believe it, Nick? Even at 20 points, even at 27 points, they just kept scoring, man. And Did you think it went for it on fourth and two? Yes. Like, okay, I, I love it. They were not going to lose to this uh, Packers how many, team. This is for fun, just the Packers game, because obviously we don't like them. Um, how many yards per play do you think Tampa averaged today? Tampa? Probably, yeah. probably what, six and a half? Seven and a half. Holy smokes. They like, averaged... They averaged 10.7 yards per pass. And I, and if you guys read my DFS article, I recommended actually the Packers because I thought, I thought uh, Godwin wasn't going to play. I'm like, oh, the Packers could be a decent play. Tampa coming to December and Lambeau. Sorry, y'all. I missed on that one. But like, it was just, it just seems like it. And again, you can look at my, my picture here if you guys, like, I'm such a Fields fan. But like, just all of the things have aligned where it's just like, you know, like, oh, man. you're, 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 you you're playing. I mean? You're you're playing your video game, y'all. Whatever it is, you know the old school guys, Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl. You know the Madden generations. If there's a few NFL Blitz guys out there that love that game, you know, like like things didn't go your way, NCAA, and you're like ah, reset. Like that's just. I mean, you're saying like we have the parts. Like no matter what happens, we're gonna be good because we have such a good core right now. It feels that way. We need we need another weapon. Probably need and, two. To be honest with you. Like, uh, well, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm serious. Well, like, no, no, I'm just saying, no, I've had this theory. What if you go Harrison Jr. and neighbors and you're just like, we're going to be balling. I have no idea. But then at this point, like you're saying, I mean, at that point, you're going to have to have Justin Fields convince everybody inside that room, not just the locker room, but also inside like the front office that this stuff is not going to keep happening. Right. Yeah. The number one for Chicago keeps ending up on the wrong end of these. Right. And, and mm -hmm. the worst part is, is that you sit there, you have this picturesque moment. The Bears are at the 45, just 10 more yards, just 10 more yards by hook or by crook. We run out of time. We end up having to heave the ball into the end zone. And the yep. categorically unthinkable almost happens anyways. I mean, that Hail Mary would have rescued. A Bears day that honest to God, the, the most frustrating part about this, Nick, is if football was unscored somehow, right? Um, I would tell you that there was so much positive to take away from this game that I'm upbeat, but you have to win the game for most of that to really matter. You know what I mean? Like and, and, and good teams win games like like the, you could talk about players. You could talk about this or that. That that Cleveland team was so depleted. I mean, Joe Flacco had Cooper to work who's, Cooper and Njoku, who I mean, they're they're not bad, but they're not it's not Justin Jefferson, y'all, and Kelsey and like and 
they outcoached the crap out of us. Oh yeah. I mean, one one thing that I know in the world of every play in football matters. Okay, so obviously of the Tanyan drop. The Tanyan drop was followed up immediately by an outstanding display of poise as Justin Fields hit DJ Moore down the sideline for 27 yards. So no Tanyan probably doesn't leg out the what do you think it is? Probably a 50-yard completion that he would have had because I think he gets caught pretty fast by the linebacker personally. Well, but, it's still a linebacker though. It ain't a DB. Totally. It's it's possible that he runs away into the end zone. He was wide open, right? But so it's more to say that immediately you get 27 yards and the moment that you got 27 yards, the offense went kaput. But beyond that, Nick, would you like to guess how many three and outs the Bears had? I counted oh. four and outs. Drives where they had less than 10 yards, zero first downs. How many drives total? You gotta give me that. Okay, so let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I think it's fifteen drives total. Fifteen drives. I'm gonna say they had nine. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. They did have nine, by the way. <laughs> nine three and outs. And to, oh, the hardest part luck. to me is that when you when you forget about that, right, it gets really easy to focus on the specific plays that didn't get made. They did not move the ball well at all. I mean, if, and now this is a huge if, Nick, but if we tried to categorize this into, let's call it earned points, right? So that's points that you scored as an offense that aren't the Eddie Jackson gives you the ball at the one points. They had three all day. And I don't even think Fields played that badly. Like, that's really not the argument I'm trying to make. It would be easier if it was, wouldn't it? But this offense just got boat raced for the majority of the game. And for the majority of the game, we didn't, I didn't really care that much because the defense felt like they were so trustworthy that whatever, okay, so we're having a bad offensive day. But Nick, we'd kind of talked about this, that the Bears would slog and grind their way to a couple points. I thought they'd get seven more, right? And they would cruise to a victory because the Browns offense couldn't do anything. You know, until until Stefanski figured it out. You talk about how at the end of the day, good teams win games. Kevin Stefanski found a win in the midst of a loss. Matt Eberflus found a loss in the midst of a win. Ironically, these guys have mirrored records, don't they? So five and nine? nine and five and past certain point you start to wonder if if that's just how it is you know what i'm saying yeah like right now i'm just going through and looking at so many different drives and just like how how they've just like set themselves up to fail against a good defense for example starting the half with the football seven seven okay get a touchback first play Negative four-yard run by Deontay Foreman. From what I remember, they timed out the snap count, and Shelby Harris just messed everything up. Second and 14. Keeps happening, by the way. Yeah. They keep yeah. giving the snap count away. In every away game, they have this right. problem where they just and, lose a series to the snap count. And then it's second and 14. Now, that's not good for almost anyone. And then that incomplete pass, which was a throwaway by Fields, which there's an attempt, mm -hmm. and there's a holding. Like, I'm going through and I'm just counting. You're talking about three and out drives. I mean, so many of them, you're you're backed up. I mean, uh, another three and out. False start by Tevin Jenkins, first and 15. They don't convert that one. Like, you can't do that against a good defense. Oh, my god! You just simply can't. The first drive of the game, 
incomplete deep shot to DJ Moore, which I thought was a decent chance to start the game. Negative three-yard run, third and 13, eight-yard completion. Like, Khalil not, Herbert. behind the sticks all the time. Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman got 12 carries. Would you like to guess how many yards they, like, combined for? <laughs> 12 carries. Um, I'm going to say, hold on, 12 carries, 19 yards. Good guess. Uh, they combined for two, as a matter no. of fact. Uh, Deontay Foreman actually averaged a negative one yards per carry on his six carries, and Khalil Herbert averaged 1.3. So if you doubled Khalil Herbert's yardage, you still don't get to your 19-yard mark. I mean, to the point of what you're saying and what plenty in the chat are saying, the number one pick keeps making this a Justin thing. I've made it at least vaguely about Justin Fields in some capacity, but like the offense didn't show up. We've talked a lot about the offensive supporting cats, but there was no run game. I mean, Roshan Johnson had a really solid run. And outside of that one, what do you think it was? Probably 30-yard run. I don't have that one. 22, I think. It was a 22-yard run. Then his other four carries were also relatively productive because he finishes five for 36. But outside of that, I mean, Bayless Jones on two totes beat out the running backs on 12. And so you start to look at this. There was there was no real commitment to the run. Why would there be? It was just a constant source of losing downs. But it is hard to run an offense that let's let me ask you this, Nick, right now, when you take DJ Moore and you put him into a limited fashion, do you think there are quarterbacks that could carry a passing offense? Because I don't know if that's actually a fair, like a truly fair ask for Justin Fields when you don't get a running game and your best weapon is more like a normal weapon. Now, you know what I mean? That's a recipe for a lot of disaster. Well, Okay. If that's the recipe for disaster, how different is it than Cleveland had today? We had a better O-line than they had. David Njoku, Cole Komet, I'll put, that's a push. Maybe Njoku's slightly better. DJ Moore, I would say, is better than Amari Cooper, who I still like Amari Cooper, though. Um, he's just getting a little older, and you know, but he's still no, more I of a technician. Um, I really appreciate Elijah, you pushing back, by the way. You, yeah, that is yeah. a good point. Yeah, like, Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman versus DJ Moore, Tyler Scott. I don't know. I mean, it, it's about the same thing. To me, this is schematic. This is schematic, mm-hmm. and it's not – I don't think it's because Joe Flacco is balling. I think that the Bears just just fumbled it away. I mean, so, again, to my same point, I'm, I'm continuing to go through drives. Another one in the second half. Get the ball to 42. You're on 42. Incomplete pass, negative six-yard run by Justin Fields, and then it was the negative three-yard reception by D.J. Moore that he caught after it went off of both of Miles Garrett's hands, okay, on third and sixteen punt then the drive before when it's 17 17 you needed something first play what do you think they called robert 17 17 i did they call one of those deep shots that ended up giving up a sack or something nope nope so so the the browns drive down 80 yards and score that touchdown right and mark cooper and we're all and and, and we're all sitting there we're just like serious like, no kidding okay first play oh man toss it's, it's cracked been... Khalil Herbert, negative five yards. Second oh 15. Good luck. Pass, pass. I'm actually, Punch. I can't believe I'm going to say this. There's going to be some Bears fan out there that's going to be like, Robert, are, are you kidding me right now? Did they call a screen? Like, the, the Browns were sending guys. 
did they call a screen or did they, they call just... they called the one to DJ Moore and they called a couple, but it's only in obvious situations for Roshan. Yay. Which is again another problem. <laughs> another problem. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like I it's it's such a shame, man. Cause like I do still I'm still very optimistic on most of this team. The Montez sweat trade couldn't have couldn't be working better right now. I understand that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to have an obvious, very sour taste in their mouth because Sweat by himself could not stop the inevitable tide of the Cleveland Browns. But he ends up with two and a half sacks today. He's currently leading uh, two separate NFL teams in sacks. That was a hilarious stat that the broadcast mentioned in the middle of the show. And it's, it's great to see that he's playing well. Tyreek Stevenson is doing the same thing he has been all season, Nick, which is coming up with really big moments and then coming up really small in others. Inconsistent. Jalen Johnson, I've never seen a DB body a wide receiver quite that hard as when he threw Cedric Tillman literally out of bounds. Like, which which was legal, by the way. People were all legal. mad. It was within five yards and before the ball was in the air. Legal. I mean, you just got bodied is all that happened. He, when you catch a wide receiver looking for the flag, and Bears fans, if you need an example, uh, I, I'm referencing what Chase Claypool always used to do. The moment a DB beats you up badly enough that you have to ask, like, Papa Ref to bail you out, you know that DB got him. You know what I mean, Nick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and that was, like, well, early on, I know, I know he's your boy, Tyreek Stevenson, but... The game plan was pretty simple from Cleveland. Oh, yeah. It was Throw max that protection. It was, it was like, run the ball, max protection, and we're throwing away from Jalen Johnson. Like, almost to a T. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy buckets. Like, put a safety over the top. Help him. He could be more aggressive. And then he stepped it up a little bit in the second half. But, like, that was the only formula. Like, they couldn't do anything. We and asked, then all of a sudden, they caught fire, and we couldn't do anything on defense. We asked where were the Browns going to get their matchup advantages, right? And the Browns, a proud, proud rushing team. Would you like to guess how many rushing yards the Browns ended up with on the day? Total day. Well, I, I looked it up. I knew they averaged less than Chicago. Like they averaged like 1.9 yards per carry, and Chicago 1. was like 2.6. They 1. collect 6. at the end of the game a 29 yard, like, and I guess that includes one kneel. But that's 17 carries for 30 total yards if you take the kneel out of the game. Amazing. And some mm-hmm. of these run stops were huge. That third and two stop that Andrew Billings just punched through the line and basically jammed the whole play shut. I mean, it was awesome. There's so much about this Bears defense that's working. It's part of what makes the fact that Kevin Stefanski basically solved the Bears defense there at the end of the game. Because when you're hitting that many deep shots in a row, like... You you figured it out. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're able to take pre-snap looks. I bet we'll we'll see the same on the all twenty-two, where finally your offensive staff up in the booth wired down, like, hey, we think we've got it. And they did. And that's such a shame because this I, I think the Bears earned a win today. I mean, I'm normally pretty negative dude. Not really. I I I keep going back and forth between whether I'm positive or not, but this season I have been pretty hard on these guys. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought the players on defense certainly played well enough. I mean, they give up what 13 net points in an NFL game where they had to, they had to face the, or face down the opposing offense for, I think 14 separate drives gave up 30 yards rushing. They just gave up 374 yards through the air. 
if you don't count the sacks, which is rough stuff, man. And, and I don't really, I don't really know where to go from here outside of moving on. Do, do I, I just didn't know. I, I didn't know this was going to be the revenge game for Marquise Goodwin though. That was, yeah. I didn't have that on my bingo card. I was like, come on. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, it was, it's uh, the, the fourth quarter. I, I really want to see some of the, the defensive play calls. Cause it was just, it was pretty pathetic because again, the way they were calling the offense, you just had to lean on them. It's like, I don't know how many people play poker. It's like you have, you know, double the stack of, of someone else. And all you have to do is just continually bump up bets and they're, they're going to have to give away their blinds to you, or they're not going to see as many flops. Like that's all you had to do. And to me, a big part of this was they didn't run up the middle much. No, like when you're struggling to block pass block people and their linebackers, which by the way, they're missing one of their starting linebackers. Why are we going East and West so much against the athletic defense with good defensive ends? Go downhill, go forward. Maybe like, Luke Getzey hates Lucas Patrick as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> and just thinks there's no way we're going to run this thing you, up the middle. You know the best part about Lucas Patrick? Here, I'm going to give him a positive. He is a big celebrator. He, he gets is. with his teammates. He is pumped up. That guy loves football. That's the best compliment I can give him. <laughs> big celebrator. Man, I I can't help but feel like we I don't know if we've mentioned it explicitly, but it sure felt to me like uh Tevin Jenkins's injury was just a massive swing moment for the Bears. And I mean, yep. it couldn't have come it, it was it was the kind of injury that I really tried to work my way around jinxing the entire week. I will wear this. I have been hinting at it the for the last couple of weeks that Tevin's been healthy and that's been awesome. I hope he's all right. I mean, obviously nobody likes to see a lineman go down with a concussion, certainly not a lineman that had a neck injury just not that long ago, right? So we all hope Tevin's okay. But it did feel like depth really became a problem for these Bears. And hey, these Browns, they're a playoff team. It's a good thing that the Bears were able to spar with them as they were for as long as they did. But I mean, Nick, do you feel like I do where we're kind of done with moral victories? I hope we're done with moral it's victories. Pop, popping the lions like we did showed us how close we are. We sure hope. And to see that dream washed away so quickly, it's a shame. I mean, I really would have loved to see the bears and Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus shut a lot of us up. We, the secret is, do you feel this way, Nick? I love eating crow. I don't like being negative about pieces of the team. I would rather Matt Eberflus be a good coach. I would rather uh, Justin Fields be that dude that simply refuses to let your team lose. Like, I would prefer that 9-8 and eight scenario, especially 9-8 and eight where they win a, quote, meaningless playoff game, end quote, and end up putting us in a real pickle on what we should do going forward. That would have been awesome. Instead, they, they lost, but not only did they lose, they showed us that they could have very easily won. Or at least it felt that way, didn't it? Mm -hmm. And then they just don't close the game out again. I, okay, this is, let's just think about this from an analytics perspective, okay? What are the odds you catch a Hail Mary? Very low. Very low. 5%? No. Like, I'm going to give it 2%. I think the defense has a 6% chance of picking you off. Maybe higher. Right. right. Like, so, like... And and, I, and by the way, there was only one interception. They'll correct the one at halftime that hit the ground. Um, so if that's the case, what is the risk of 
trying the hold on what was it again the 52 yarder at halftime what is the what's the risk apparently if it makes you feel any better the santos had been warming up from 52 54 55 and he missed the first two and barely made the second one and there was legitimate concern from the people inside the stadium whether Santos had the leg or not. In fact, I texted somebody who was like, oh, he, de- he absolutely doesn't. And I'm with you. I, who cares? Who cares? But It's short. What, are they going to return it? Devin Hesteros or Nathan Vacheros? Who well, cares? The I mean, the other thing to think about here, we're going big football nerd mode, right? But the longer you're trying to kick it, the lower the trajectory. And if the Browns yep. had deflected it, and somehow like turned it into a block that goes back the other way, you could be staring at disaster when at the time you thought you had them wrapped up. If we, right? no, hold on. Time out. No, 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 no. It's the score is seven, seven at that point. Yeah. That was right before the half. This, the, the tied ball game. Man. And you have five wins on the year. I mean, it, that's it, the it's, other... like, it's, it's like we're playing like Nick, Nick that's like the... we're all Cowboys. Let's just shoot from the hip. I got it. Let's do the Hail Mary. They won't see this coming versus a 52 yarder. If he our kicker is good. If he's short. OK, he's short. If they returned it all the way, we would just be like, wow. OK, it's not our year, but like get some points. That's a part of this whole team and its identity that has really ground my gears for pretty much the entire season to this point is I'll watch tons of these other teams that they step on the gas. It's almost as if Nick, you will watch these teams intentionally not play complimentary football, almost silo themselves into an our unit. We are the defense. We are going to try to whoop your butt on every single series, regardless of score. Right. And then maybe they do some weird end of half stuff. But, oh, we're up by two touchdowns. We're up by three touchdowns. That's not really going to change what we're doing based on how you line up. And then the offense is on the other side of the ball. Every opportunity is an opportunity to go score more points. Maybe you change it once you get to the back seven minutes of the fourth. But in the third quarter, man, open season. The worst part to me was that the Bears tried to open things up with a heavier passing attack that sputtered, but it was healthier than their running attack. And then they pivoted into a conservative rush approach that Cleveland was absolutely ready for as early as the third. We talked about this a little earlier, but I really Mm -hmm. want to dig into it. It felt to me, whether this is Eberflus or Getze, let's just blame them both, right? Um, That it feels to me like they got the edict, hey, our defense is going to take us home. Let's just not give Cleveland anything that they can celebrate. And to me, that's how you lose games. And the Bears lost, and they kind of deserved to. And that really frustrates me. No, and I'm I'm with you. I mean, we, um, we Chicago, sometimes it bothers me, by the way, if saying we, um, and that's purely from a coaching perspective, because I, you know, I've coached for a, a number of years, and people will say we, and and I'm the one that like puts in the hundreds of thousands of hours coaching, and I'm like, we, you you, you just watch the team from the stands <laughs> or from TV, you know what I mean? But <laughs> neither here nor there. That's that's my no, only I got you. I got you. But like Chicago, they're really good at losing, and and to me, like that's a staff thing, that's a team thing. But no matter what, Robert, at this point, I'm I'm just looking at this. You have five wins. Even if you win the last three, I'm like Matty Berflus is gone. I, I 
Am I bad for hoping so? I mean, he's done a great job uh, with the defense. The defense looks awesome, right? But past a certain point, there does need to be some accountability, especially if you think you, especially if Carolina ends up delivering the number one or number two overall pick. There's so much opportunity that, to me, if you are even, if Matt Eberflus breathes a word of Justin not being his dude, I don't need him here. Does that make sense? Like, I, if Matt Eberflus wants to play the card where he says, what if we just added a bunch of weapons around Justin? Justin's my guy. I'll fire this bum Luke Getze. Don't know why I ever hired him. Lol. And I'll bring in, I don't know, um, maybe he picks Frank Reich because he likes Frank Reich after their time in Indianapolis right. or something like that. He says, I'll bring Frank in. Frank's going to be great. Then at least I can understand the thinking behind somebody being in support of that. It's a lot less risky than Robert's crazy deranged plan to fire everybody after only two years of this organization being in place and reset the quarterback and basically make all the radical change you possibly can all at once. Like, I don't want to pretend that what I my gut says would be best for the bears isn't mm -hmm. crazy risky, but the moment Flus breathes a word of wanting to try to develop a rookie quarterback on his own to me that write it on his tombstone. You know what I mean? No, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You, you, you don't, well, you haven't earned it. Exactly. Like, like if, if Chicago is doing what you talked about, what green Bay is doing, we're like, you go down early. Like, let's say this game is flipped. You thought one ninety five in the first quarter. And then, you changed up some things. You adjusted it, and then you shut them down for three quarters, and then Chicago had this stand, and then they're only down three, and they lead it down, and Justin throws a Hail Mary, and Mooney drops it. You're like, man, they were so close they on that one. so close to beating a playoff team after I mean, pounding a playoff team I'm, last week. On the road in some bad weather. Man, they got some grit. Nope. Nope. You gave away not one, not two, but three games this year that you easily should have won. And to me, like that's that again, just how I, I am as a coach. Every loss is a reflection of me. I didn't have them prepared enough. I should have done some different things. It's not, man, this guy should have caught that pass. Like, no, there's so many other things within the game that I saw that we pointed out in terms of formation stuff, in terms of play call stuff, in terms of being too conservative and oh, yeah. being too risky, not kicking the field goal, not trying other things on these right before you do a field goal or Hail Mary. Like, there's so many things in there. It's like, no, you lost the game. And you worse, lost the game. Somebody said this in the chat, and it completely makes me, it, it completely vibes with how I feel. Ready? They said that they were so close, even though they should have easily won. And I completely agree. When you look at the way that this Bears defense was playing, they should have had a three-score lead on the Browns. Minimum. I mean, they had a two-score lead at one point, but you have to have a three-score lead. When you're playing that well and the defense gives you a touchdown, man, I bet you've coached these games. I've watched enough of them in, in the NFL. That pick six has to be the dagger. You can't let the game turn and get even again after mm -hmm. that. And because sometimes stuff goes against you. Momentum seems awfully real. And when you allow a team to hang around, you open the door for this kind of stuff to happen. And right now in Chicago, it's happening more often than it isn't, which is a separate yep. issue. But yep. in the world of why did people get away from the 2000s style of playing prevent, running the ball every chance you could, like playing not to lose, right? It's because it didn't work. It's not, not just against the Browns. The scary part is, is that if you had to guess right now, Nick, where would you go ballpark, gut feel, 
where out of 32 would you peg that Browns team in terms of danger, let's say? Like in terms of how, how tough they are to beat? Yeah. Like if just today, shooting from the hip, are they better than 12th? No, not a chance. So that means you lost to a not top 12 team. No, <laughs> there, no, no. there are more dangerous teams. The Buffalo yeah. Bills are rocking the Cowboys right now. Yeah. The, the Arizona Cardinals have gotten smoked so bad by halftime that Arizona trotted out Clayton Toon to clean the game up. No, like, he got hurt. Oh, even worse <laughs> for, for Arizona. Kyle got hurt. Yeah, they, they, well, they almost tied it at half. That uh, special teams call got called back. But so a couple other things. So you had talked about the, the the coaching part of this. So uh, you talked earlier. Well, I talked about the toss crack going at Miles Garrett is just a terrible idea. Um, I have been a part of it in high school where I wasn't calling plays, by the way. But this one team in the state semifinal had a nasty nose tackle. Like, couldn't move him. Like, this guy had leverage. He was strong. He was smart. And our head coach is like, no, we can trap him. And we spent, I would say, half the game trying to trap him. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, this is just bad football. Like, go <laughs> away from the trap runs like, on an outstanding nose tackle. Like, simple. Like, don't try to outsmart. Like, again, you're not underthinking it. Um, but here's the other part of this. Okay. So the run game clearly isn't working. You need to run the clock out. Let's go outside the box. Let's go into Robert's. Worst nightmare of running the ball. Why is that my worst nightmare now? Go empty. Oh, wait. Why do I have an issue with empty? I love empty. I think empty is great. Go empty. You're running the ball. Go empty. Oh, quarterback run game. And then then QB (laughs) run or or, or you have uh, maybe a a quick concept, a, a long concept. Fields drops back and then just runs, and they can they can try and QB mirror him all they want. He runs a four three, like like go outside the box, try something. You know what? Here we go. Let's let's run. Let's run. Toss crack left to Herbert. We're tied seventeen seventeen. This time it's this gonna time work. It's, this time, baby. Nope. This time it's gonna work. Just no. like, I mean, they can't fire him now, can they? There's three games left. They can't fire him. I mean, but, I I feel like there's a lot of teams that would, but most of them already did, right? Like we, yeah. we kind of talked about this, Nick, when at the bye, we mentioned the Bears had their opportunity to fire Luke Getze. I mean, you were coming off a Minnesota game where things patently did not work after a full season of things patently not working. Not to mention, you could have just blamed it on the three screens thing, like the three screens in a row thing in Minnesota. Instead, <laughs> they rode with Getze. Somebody in that building likes Getze a lot, right? And so I... I don't know if you can fire him now. I almost don't know why you would, to be honest with you. Can, Just, no, let, let me ask you this. I have a question. So Justin Fields today. Mm-hmm. Sorry sorry to cut you off, but no, um, was there any point today when Justin Fields was at quarterback and you were like, I'm concerned. I don't have confidence in this guy. So uh, can I? let me take that and spin a little bit of a yarn. Who would I be if I didn't? As a matter of fact, Nick, about halfway through the second quarter, I was sitting there thinking, damn, he is on today. Like he was he was making a couple throws here and there where I was like, wow, this is a really good version of Justin Fields. This is, dare I say, the best version of Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. You see the super athlete stuff come out on the third and six that he converts. (coughs) Granted, 
I do think he made the play look even harder than it could have been because I know there are a lot of quarterbacks that would have hit the back of their drop with Miles washing around the left-hand side and just stepped up immediately off instinct, right? But when you're 230 and you could squeeze out of a tackle like that, yeah, do you show up on the highlight reel. It's badass, right? Like, mm-hmm. hits some big-time throws, has a couple of turnover-worthy moments, sure, but it's a Browns defense that's awfully tough. To me, Nick, what got hard was once the Bears were off the front foot, it got really hard for them to get back on it. Like, the, it felt as if the only pass play they knew how to run out of play action was this seven to nine step deep shot out of the gun. And it's like, what are we doing, right? Yep. And then by the very end of the game, Justin's been in so many of these like one minute to 30 second situations where he's got to go kick a field goal. Did you think he was going to get it? When? Right at the end. Like the one when he was getting the ball, when he was coming onto the field, after the Bears had given up the three points, and you knew he had 34 seconds basically to save this Bears season. I I, th- I thought what he did was I thought he, he was fine, done. but what did you think he was gonna do? Get it or not? Oh, oh we know, we know where do you know what I thought? Because 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 what is okay, the way everything is just going worse, you're like, oh, this is when he'll fumble or he'll throw a pick. Right. And to me, I actually don't think that's totally Fields' fault. Like you're saying, there's an element of we've just been here before. We just know what's going to happen. But I wish I didn't feel that way. Here's the problem with that. Cleveland was down by a touchdown. They needed a touchdown. What did they do? They scored. Flacco saved them. Like... Then they went down the field, and then they kicked the field goal to win like and to go up. Like They were the ones that were desperate. Then when we're desperate, we can't make it happen. And to me, that's, again... I would say coaching. Like to me, like there's what percentile oh, yeah. can Luke Getze come back next year? What is the percentile of him returning? I mean, I think zero. Uh, in the real world, probably 15% if they think like, if they try to somehow blame this all on fields, but I don't think that's fair, right? Especially given so much of the way that this game works. I mean, somebody said this in the chat too, like Justin Fields in the whole second half, the entire offense felt completely dysfunctional. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the coaching, I think, has to at least wear their fair share of that, like, of that blame. I'm, I'm nearly beside myself and trying to be cool about it because I think that there was probably an edict from the head coach to, like, hey, let's play a conservative version of our offense. Let's control the ball. Let's go to ball control. Right. We're going to go from quick strike to ball control while on the other side, the Browns just started taking chances. They hit a big, long one. Was that Marquise? The one where he cut across Eddie Jackson? Because yep. honestly, who who caught what has blurred away. So they yeah, hit that. Yeah. That they, was 57. Yep. And then they immediately get shut down. Right. Turns into a key three points. Yep. The drive after that, they leak out just enough offense to find their way into the end zone off of big shots. And then the next drive after that, they found a way again. To your point, Nick, the we keep saying, oh, the Bears need better players. And they do need better players. But right now, when when the players aren't worlds better than the guys across from them, yep. we lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, looking at this now, hold on. We should have, right? We won the turnover battle, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. plainly, plainly. Well, I mean, it's it's three to three, but that's also counting the interception at the end of the half, which was not true. And, and the, the helmet, which I don't think, the game. I don't think it really matters. Won, won the turnover battle, 
won the penalty battle. Lost won game. The less sacks and lost. Like it's just it's 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 just so pathetic. You cannot allow 195 yards passing and to Joe Flacco. And by the way, to anybody out there that might think that somehow the Bears defense, like, yeah, sure, okay, we're gonna take away some Justin Fields interceptions, this, that, and the other. Like, oh wow, you guys are saying you won the turnover battle when you didn't. It doesn't help anything that TJ Edwards had a ball phase through his fingertips. And also Jalen Johnson had a pick in his hands that then the wide receiver did a really good job of ripping the ball back out. Like this bears team was all over them. Do you, do you know what happened on that drive? Which uh, was that the pick six? No, that happened the same drive. The the pick six did. No, no, no. So, so the, the dropped interception from yes. Edwards, mm-hmm. the dropped interception from Johnson's on that drive, they scored a touchdown. They scored a touchdown. <laughs> yep. You know, you know how that works. I'm, I'm almost positive of that. Let me go back and look. <laughs> oh I mean, man! Oh I'm man! Al- I'm almost positive. I'm gonna go. Oh no! Was that the field goal? Well, I don't think it was the field goal because it happened earlier. I'll look. I'm almost positive that was their, their yeah, touchdown. Let me know. Let me know because that is that is some wild stuff. If you ask me, but so because yeah, it was a, it was yeah. Here it is because it was a completion over the middle to Tillman, right? It went through mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. his hands. Yep. So that that's the touchdown they had in the first half. So it was a three yard pass to Ford. Then it was a nine yard completion to Tillman, three yard pass. Then incomplete to Cooper. That was the one to Jalen Johnson. And then there's an was that the one where Stevenson also had another shot at a ball? No, no, that, that was another drive. But then the play right after Jalen Johnson dropped that, that was the 42 yarder to Amari Cooper on the right. The broken play on on third and seven, right? And then they drove down and scored a touchdown. And and I can't help but look at this stuff, Nick. And I'm like, okay, on one hand, I would love for our guys to cash in, but on the other hand, if Greg Newsom's hands were made of like you know perfect carbon fiber, then like they they would have picked Fields off two more times. You sometimes the football gods give, and sometimes they take. Right? Defensive miscues mm-hmm. balance themselves out. I can't help feeling like the Bears' direction, especially given that they were just doing a tear-it-down-to-the-studs rebuild not a year ago, is still up. But I can't help thinking, you got it. You might need to change the horse. You might need to change the jockey, right? Yep. Just because at this stage, the Bears pretty much need, like, I, I don't know. I would tell you what I think they need. It's more like I, I just struggle to watch this t- take it seriously, right? Like, what what would this Bears team have to do in your eyes to make this current formula? We're going to talk top down. What would they need to do to make this edition of the offensive coaching, this edition of the defensive coaching, and sure, quarterback. But I know what you think of the quarterback. You don't think he's the problem. He might get caught in the wash, but mm-hmm. that he's not the problem. What would they need to add to this formula to win a Super Bowl? in your opinion? Um, <laughs> a different coaching staff, um, a better wide receiver, two, maybe three, um, a different backup tight end, obviously a different center. I would want a better backup interior O lineman with as banged up as we get there. Another edge. And uh, you got to replace Eddie Jackson. I think, I think if you get that in place, I think you're, minimum playoffs super bowl is just is just quite different i mean that's a that's a different ball game sure but the goal is to win a super bowl isn't it I well mean, i i think i think the goal is to get a ticket to the dance and you never know what happens once you get in the dance which you know what i think that's a great spot to start 
right? But eventually, I think that you're trying to build, at least in the current edition of the NFL, I think you're trying to build a 13-win team, right? Yep. Because yep. Once, you, once you set the bar that high, you say a lot could go wrong, and we could still be a 13-win team. And a lot, or even more could go wrong, and maybe we'll dip down to a 9-10 to 10 win team, but we will still be making the dance. And then we'll be mm-hmm. dangerous once we get there, looking at you, Buffalo, right? And so I, I don't know... I'm not pretending that I know what the answers are, but a game like this is just a real punch in the gut. I mean, not only was it incredibly fun celebrating the Bears' potential playoff situation, but especially after the Giants beat the Packers and after the Bengals beat the Vikings yesterday and after Tampa Bay got run out by the Packers in Lambeau, it sure felt like the stars were aligning. And man, Nick, it would suck if we end up finding out that the stars did align and the Bears just didn't show up for it, right? Yep. yep. But it's yeah. To, to me, like I was angry, and at this point, like if I look at this from Justin Fields' eyes, like as a big fan, which I know a lot of us are, it's heartbreaking. Like to lose this game, to lose the Lions game, to lose the Denver game. Like you win. Like again, even if you win half of those, okay. Let's say two. We'll say three is two there, right? You're you're in the hunt, you know, and like you get credit. Just feels like it's credit. But today, the Tunyon drop, the Scott drop, the Mooney drop. I would say more pressure than it was necessary from the running backs. He now, and again wasn't perfect. Also, Justin was throwing in a very wet conditions. Right, he had a couple interceptable passes. Flacco had a couple that didn't get picked. A few that did get picked. Like you could go back and forth. But I'm just saying, I think Cleveland skill guys helped Joe Flacco more than our skill guys helped Justin Fields. And to me, that's heartbreaking. It is. They played good team ball and they came up big when it mattered. And they honestly, I thought Stefanski did a great job of getting them open after an entire game where they could not get open. Right. They realized that they weren't going to be able to dink and dunk their way down the field. So they didn't try to. Instead, they just tried to take the whole enchilada, which is actually something I was surprised that more teams haven't attempted against the Bears. It's almost like other teams have thought, well, if we can't get our short stuff working, why aren't we going to or like we can't, of course, try to go deep on these guys. But I don't know. The all 22 will tell a better story there. I mean, it, it ultimately amounted to a couple plays going wrong, but it's really frustrating. And I don't know, I, I think that there are a lot of answers that you could find in the head coaching world at this point. I don't know what's going to happen in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. I don't know what's going to happen in New England. I don't know what's going to happen relating to Ben Johnson, whether he's just going to run to the Chargers job. And I'm only using Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, and Ben Johnson to just build you three very different dudes that run their team in very different ways, yeah, right? It, it, it could be if you if you change quarterback at 101, if you get 101, uh, you could definitely have that person as the head coach as well. I mm-hmm. think that's an option. We did have one person ask. I can't remember the last time a Bears receiver made that contestant catch in the back of the red zone that the Browns got. And I do. Do you, Nick? Here's your trivia question. When is the last time that a Bears receiver and or tight end made that contested catch? I have two of them for you. Uh, so against the Raiders, Jesper Horstead had one. Horstead was the one that came to my mind. We okay. cut him. Yep. Um, and then I think of, I mean, I can think of a million of these of Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. I was even going to go with Demir Bird making that insane catch to convert <laughs> the two point conversion. You remember and, the Texas route Demir Bird had against Green Bay? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's one of the That's easiest a- touchdowns that Justin Fields has ever scored in his life. I mean, yeah. it was, but it's just so funny thinking about that where it's like, it's, 
It's not been the Bears' big dogs. Oh, okay. No. So D- let- DJ Moore had one uh, against Washington on the left side. It wasn't that contested, right? It like was it was big. a mossing. I'm with you. It was a really yeah. good catch. I'm not trying to take yeah. anything from DJ. If you could separate, make your catch easier, good. You should, right? <laughs> but right. it was, anyways, do you want to hand out some stars? Like, do you ever watch the hockey game ever? You know how they do like three stars of the game? Well, I, I've, I watch, watching hockey live, I think, is more fun than watching any other sport live, by the way. It's but awesome. I don't, I don't know anything about the star game. What is the star game? Okay, so at the end of any hockey game, any hockey game, they'll give out the three stars of the game, right? They'll go third best player, second best player, first best player. A lot of times the goalie uh, that won the game generally makes it because a lot of saves. And then like the game-winning goal scorer, et cetera, you get the point, right? Mm-hmm. Let's hand out some stars. You ready? Like, who are your, the guys that you thought played really well? I would like to start with one. Um, and this kind of stretches back the last couple of weeks. So maybe I'm being a little retroactive. I thought Cole Komet had a solid game for what he is. Like, he's becoming a much better receiving option than I anticipated he would. Now, his blocking is not that of a wide tight end, which is a no. little frustrating. I mean, yep. the blocking difference, but it's just in how you deploy him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he can do some cross bot or like he can do some cross formation blocks. But I also swear this is not becoming a star worthy thing. But I also swear that <laughs> once a game, he is eyeballing the guy that he should end up blocking and then does not block him and doesn't make an attempt to block him as if there's some kind of communication or rules issue, which goes back to the details of the way that this offense is coached. But we're starting to see Cole Komet separate against man coverage a little bit more often. Obviously comes through on that huge touchdown catch that looked like it was going to be the difference for quite some time. And as we go into an offseason where I know you're going to mention a certain Georgia tight ends name a lot. uh, He's so good, good, man. He is so good. But I got to tell you, Cole Komet's receiving uh, as somebody who is a former reformed Cole Komet hater. Like he's really stepped up in a lot of ways. And I see that as a positive for the bears. Who's somebody oh, I, thought you that, I, I thought that was your boy JT is you too, huh? What? <laughs> Not loving Cole Komet. Oh, I mean, I thought Cole Komet was a stiff hip person that couldn't separate against man for a while, but the way that he's worked against zone and honestly, he's improved his route running has caught my eye over the last couple of weeks because I, like a lot of people just jumped on him for the way that he played as a 22 year old. And as he's become a 24, 25, going on 26 year old man like he looks better he's okay for what he is like he's just he's not gonna be travis kelsey but he could just be a solid over the middle option which i mean him chipping and being available to get yards i mean he's he's fine for what he is right um okay i'm not gonna take the easy one because there's one easy star okay you gotta take the easy one though like at least say his name well okay montez sweat okay gone okay i'm gonna take my next one though there were many run plays, short yardage situations where Andrew Billings was a stud. And I am so thankful we have him. I'm so thankful that we extended him cheaply. Andrew Billings, like, they had backup alignment in there. He made them look like backups. Yes. And that's what stars do. He was awesome. I mean, yep. so many pieces of this defense were just so fun. And I'm curious to know, what happened there at the end? Did they just run out of gas? Cause they were all over the Browns for an entire football game until suddenly they weren't anymore. Right. But mm-hmm. then if I was going to, let me think, cause there was somebody that I had in mind, I was just thinking of, but I, I can't, 
Suddenly I can't remember because there's like, we could give the D so many stars. And honestly, like I thought Jalen Johnson was awesome. Be careful. Just didn't get targeted for the overwhelming yeah. majority of the game. And yeah. when he was targeted, he was a problem. TJ Edwards was awesome. Dude is all over the football can, field. Can I give a half a star? Yeah, of course. I'm going to give half a star to Demarcus Walker. Yes. So, so one, he had the sack and he made a tackle look like a backup tackle. But an un, unsung hero moment that he had, if you guys watch this, the Tremaine Edmonds interception, he gets it, obviously huge hit by TJ Edwards, who created the entire thing. When he's running, there's only one guy there, and it's the least athletic guy on the field. It's Joe Flacco. Walker's there. He's blocking him, and then he realizes it's going to be hold territory. Then let's go at the right moment. But it was enough for Flacco couldn't get him that let the touchdown happen. It could have been a hold. He could have not blocked him at all, and it wouldn't have scored a touchdown. He did the perfect amount, and that deserves a half a star. Hey, that's details. And then if there's one other thing that I can't believe I haven't whined about on this podcast yet, and I have to mention, I know we're giving out stars. Because if I was going to give anybody a star on the offense, can you think of anybody? Like, probably, I would probably say Braxton, just having only watched the game one time. Because Miles Garrett can do a lot more damage to you than he seemed to do. But he did race around the right-hand side, was it? Did he get around right for that sack fumble that could have been so much worse uh, uh, there in the early part of the game? I think he got around right so side. In the, in the BFR pod with, with, with Dave and, and Nikki, um, do you remember we had hot? We had like one hot take? Uh, well, we all tried to have hot takes, but what was yours? Well, one of mine was Miles Garrett's not going to have a sack. Oh, yeah. And he, and he, he did not have a sack today. Oh, nice. Somebody else got that or had the sack fumble then. So uh, Jeremiah Owusu, Karamara had one. Alex Wright had one. And Cameron Mitchell had one. Gotcha. Yep. Okay, so kudos to you, Braxton, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then there's one other thing I have whined about, and that's that I cannot believe that in this game we had not one but two pump muffs, right? Like, in, you talk about a game that you have to have and your punt returner, who you only roster because he's a punt returner, yep. not just muffs one, but then gets back on it, right? He he goes out there and he muffs another for you, and you lose it. And it's still awesome that Tyreek Stevenson saved his bacon, but it felt like, I, I can't help but think about this game, Nick, and when I reflect on it, I think about how this defense was basically asked to win this game by themselves and had a kicker that apparently we don't trust to try from 55 in a cold weather situation. We had a punt returner that can't catch the ball. We have a punter that can't average more than 40 yards net punt, right? And we have an offense that gave us three unassisted points. And hey, thank God we got 10 including the assists, but it's not, that's not how you beat a team like in the NFL. It's not even about the Browns. You just can't really, that's not sustainable stuff. And for an offense or for a football team that had put themselves in position to where they had to win out to really turn heads, heads are not turned. You know what I mean? I I have, I have another uh, rabbit hole to, to go down here. Let's go down it. So, so your Stevenson comment, this is why I was just clicking around here, which if people hear me clicking, hey, sorry, y'all. I'm 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 researching as Nobody we're talking does. about this. Um I I got I, I got a special remote just for this podcast, by the way. So it was more of a silent one, okay? Just nice. so you guys know. Um 
Stevenson picked that off, which was unbelievable. One of the more nuanced parts of that is when he picked it, he rolled. So his back hit the ground. So there was no question he picked it off. Okay. That's something that's really, that's a, that's a teachable thing. I mean, DB coach, I mean, whether it's in college or in the NFL, you know, that's really well taught for a skill. He rolled over on his back, picked it. And when he, he returned it, Robert, for a moment, I was like, is he going to take it? Cause he made it. <laughs> he picked so it cool. off at the one and, and he returned it to the Chicago 35. Okay. And then Chicago proceeded to get, you know, incomplete on first down eight yard run by Justin 15 yard run by Justin. I was like, okay, maybe we're going to seal this out. It's 17 to seven at this point. Right. Two yard run by Foreman. So that was probably his what long of the day. <laughs> and then incomplete pass by D to DJ Moore. And then it was the run by Roshan for seven yards, which was close to a first down, right? This is that fourth in whatever, half a yard. Mm -hmm. This is something we didn't talk about because we talked about the other situations, the two Hail Mary situations. Fourth and half a yard at the 33. That's a 48-yard field goal, Robert, right? Mm -hmm. That could have made it a 13-point game. Are we becoming a Take the Points podcast now? I'm just saying, you didn't <laughs> try any of these long field goals. That one is the most makeable. It's a half yard, but then later in the game, what's a half yard? You try a jet sweep to Tyler Scott. I, like, I can't remember if we have already mentioned it on this podcast because we definitely said it in the pre-show. But the Darnell Mooney's effort has really bothered me. I mean, ooh. I'm not normally an effort person, but it feels like nothing is coming up Mooney right now. And that fourth and one, all he's got to do is take the DB out of the play. Just kick him inside a little bit. We didn't yep. get it. We didn't get the first down, and it should have been a pretty easy first down. If anything, Nick, it might have been a chunk play, just based on the way that the or based on the look that the defense gave, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't mind going for it. I'm glad you brought this up. Well, well, one, one, we have a poster that said uh, going up 13 as opposed to 10 isn't a huge gain. It certainly is. That means that they had to score a touchdown on that last drive instead of a field goal. Which, oh, totally. if, we go, if we go back and look at it. They got to the, what, the 35, whatever, the 16. Like, having them score two touchdowns is a very different thing. This is very different. So, uh, to me, it does make a difference. Now, you could debate not doing that one, but not trying to kick either of them in the first half, or that the first half, or that one, is questionable, in my opinion. It's just another coaching decision that we didn't convert the first down, on that one or the other third and short. And it cost us the game. All these cost us the game. I right. like the call to, to Justin Fields. We talked about this where it's a boot out. Mm -hmm. He had the option. He didn't get it. I like the call. I get it. But you didn't convert. So it didn't right. work. And, and, it's some, and it's a half yard. How do you not get a half yard? Everyone gets a half yard. Did you see on the one? It was the the tush push. I don't know if we, if we do. Do we try tush push today or no? Oh, yeah. We false started. Yeah. Thank yep. you, Cole. Come in on that one. Do you know Tyler Scott was one of the guys? pushing i don't i don't really understand a lot of what the bears do. what are we doing you know they were just they were just doing what they were doing i don't know man like there's some of that stuff where maybe they didn't like dj moore's ankle on that i i couldn't tell you feels like the whole rest of the league doesn't get the tush push they get the gist but they don't get like why it works and Br bring in your boy come out bring in blossom game <sighs> push 
do something else. I don't know, man. Like, what are your final thoughts on this one? Because I also can't help feel like this game, the worst part about it is that you and I could sit here and break it down like it's a brand new game that we've never, ever seen before. This was a game that Bears fans have watched a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like the defense carrying the game, nearly everybody else not not doing enough, right? And it ends up in a game, or it ends up in a loss that drops us from a losing record to a further losing record, right? Like forget mm-hmm. the talk about the draft pick, whatever, right? Bears fans have watched this game a lot. And so- <laughs> For me, there's part of this that's like, okay, well, if this is the end of the Eberflus era, so be it. I'm not bothered by it. Uh, I wish Matt the best. The fact that the players are developing like they are is a real positive thing for the rest of the season. But this gives us a tough one to sit in when we go through everything from the All-22 to honestly just the next couple days of our lives. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably care about the team. If you made it to this point in the podcast, you definitely care about the team. And when they lose like this, it puts you back in that state of, oh, man, the Bears are bad. And it's just kind of a bummer, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I would like that to change. I would like that to change very much. And I don't know exactly what the Bears have to do to change it. But there's, again, more talks that we we might as well finish the show out after we do final thoughts here on, like, what do we think about the Carolina situation? That can't be a long segment. But Well, that, that, that's fine. Yeah, I, I have all this up if you want to. I can go there. From the Bears' perspective, I can't help looking at this, Nick, and thinking, you've seen this game before. It ended the way that it you or it ended the way it has many times, and that sucks. But I do think there are brighter days for the Bears coming up. I think a game like this, Nick, was what you. This is that moment, right, where your girlfriend promised that she was going to change, right, and for a couple weeks it was way better, and then it happened again, right. And to me, I would hope that this helps the Bears organization recognize the opportunity that they have and probably move on, at least at head coach. New head coach can do whatever he wants to do with the quarterback and the rest of the staff. Probably going to start over. But uh, at the very least, I would be looking at that and I would be saying, Ryan Poles, you have nailed a lot of things. And so bring in the guy that you want to bring in and he'll make the decision that he thinks is best for the org going forward. And I'll rock with it, whatever it is. How are you feeling? Um, I think if there was, again, there's always good to come out of bad and the good to come out of this, I think is the house cleaning is coming. Like, that's it. Like you can win three, three straight games here and it doesn't matter. Uh, the only thing that they could do, Robert, is you win three straight games, you squeeze into that seventh seed, which it's still possible by the way. And you win a playoff game. That's the only way the whole narrative changes here. Um, so talking through, I, ironically, every five and six win team lost besides Tampa Bay, who one of the six win teams had to win. New Orleans won, and the Raiders went from five to six wins. And then we have a game right now, which is I can't I can't check the score. Uh, I believe the Rams went up twenty six to seven on Washington, uh, so they'll go to seven wins. But a lot of those teams, there's a ton of five-win teams. There's still a ton of six-win teams. But in terms of draft order, okay, y'all, Tankathon, it's your friend. Use that one. Chicago has the first pick, even if Carolina won. Carolina's remaining schedule is Green Bay at home. They, they beat Atlanta in a rainstorm today. Without the rainstorm, I don't think they get it done. And, the, so, and Atlanta looked awful. Bad. 
bad. Awful. Yeah. The kind of thing where I, I would have I would be very surprised if the Bears don't win the next two, especially if Kyler is even a little bit banged up. Hey, anything's possible. Like apparently being one of the most uh, 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 somebody just mentioned here that the Bears now with three blown leads in the of 10 or more points are tied in NFL history for the most blown leads Ooh. in the fourth quarter of 10 or more points. So uh, it, that's what I want to be known for. Right. But so within that, it's like the Falcons look really bad and so do the Cardinals. So I, I would hope, yeah, Nick, that if the Bears go lost to the Browns, win to the Cardinals, win to the Falcons, lost the Packers, right? That the org would go, okay, what did beating those teams really prove, right? Yeah. But we'll yep. see. I get it. And I mean, hey, Atlanta losing, New Orleans winning, I'm okay with that because I had the, uh, the division winning parlay. I think it's correct right now. I think I had San Francisco, New Orleans, Detroit, and Philly. But Ooh. so Car- Carolina has Green Bay at Jacksonville and mm-hmm. home against Tampa. I, it's again, anything can happen, but it's tough to see them winning those. Even if they do win, their strength of schedule is worse than New England and Arizona, who Arizona's putting up a pretty good fight here right now. Um, and New England has three ones, Arizona has three ones, Arizona or, uh, Washington has four. Looks like they're going to lose that game. And then in Chicago, still at five. So you still have picks one and five. And from the film I'm watching, Robert, we don't have to get super ahead of ourselves, but the film I'm watching says that Malik Neighbors is a dude. Like, I would love just to sit there and take him at five. And I would, I would not even hesitate. No matter what you do with the other pick, you stay with Justin, you trade down, you take a quarterback there, you trade Justin, I don't care. Taking Malik Neighbors would be exactly what we needed today. It would change the team. The good news is, is that I think you have a real shot at getting neighbors down around 10, where I think Chicago's going to end up. I mean, we'll see what happens. If the Bears lose to the Cardinals, I mean, it w- if it wasn't already over, it will definitely be over at that point, right? But if I would not be shocked to see this defense get on top of the next two teams. They're turning teams over at an insane rate right now. And when you keep winning the turnover battle, it is hard to keep losing these games. The Bears keep making a scene of it, right? But mm-hmm. it, it, is, it shows you how tough it is to lose games when your defense is doing what it is right now. So I'm expecting the Bears pick to fall a little bit. The, no, the, yeah. No, that's fair. And then, the I mean, th- then you look, at, you look at what else you're kind of competing with here. You know, you look at, um, I mean, the Jets, Giants, Tennessee, chargers uh they all have five wins as well um whether they're going to win another game or not i mean the giants have philly twice that's going to be tough um i'm trying to look and see if they have winnable games looks like chicago jets and so if the jets win one before then and then the giants win the one at the end then anything's possible i guess but at least when i look at this i'm not worried about the Panthers situation, they may end up with a lower strength of schedule. They may end up with a higher strength of schedule than new England. It is basically tied right now. So we don't really know quite how it'll end up. We're just going to have to check at the end. But Nick, I still see a Carolina team that cannot score to save their lives. They won nine to seven, partially because Desmond Ritter threw an interception that is inconscionable. Like it, it is unacceptable. It was a game losing crossbody interception in the like depths of the red zone that you simply mm-hmm. cannot throw and he got punished for it. It's not that this Carolina, in my opinion, anyways, you tell me what you thought. 
I didn't see a Carolina team that's rallying. I saw an Atlanta Falcons team that is broken and decaying. And they played a horrible game in the rain. And so what's going to happen against Green Bay and, uh, and Jacksonville? Who's to say? Right. We can't say anything for certain. It's why you play the games. It's why we love the sport. But I'm not really all that concerned. If anything, this is just a reminder that, yeah, you play the games for a reason. And Atlanta really is in that much trouble. I will tell you one thing. Nick, can I sell you on a silver lining? I mean, I mean, maybe I was going to ask you a question, but do you, you want to go first? I would like to sell you on this silver lining if you're OK with that. And oh, that yeah, is hey. that this Atlanta loss might work out better for the bears in the long term because oh, geez, here we go because i know now that they lost to the panthers right whether they're coming up for number one whether they're calling you about justin fields you have to think the falcons situation surrounding their quarterback just went from the, we have a problem to we have a problem you know <laughs> what i mean like uh-huh. it, that's one of those where especially now that your young kid Ritter basically just lost you a game outright a, on the tail end of, okay, well we squeeze it out against the jets, but you know, that's, it's the jets defense. Okay. Scoring 13. It happens. You scored seven on the road against it or against the guys that can't win more than one game. And so we'll see what happens, but it wouldn't surprise me if Atlanta gets desperate with a capital oh. D. How many yards per carry do you think Atlanta had today against Carolina? Uh, you know, I was watching the game on red zone, so I don't even have a guess. What is it? I mean, I mean, you can just think. I mean, they got Patterson and Algier, and obviously Bijan Robinson, Ritter can run a little bit. I'm gonna go with Carolina's 2.8. not. What? I'm gonna go with two point eight because I'm looking it up. One point seven. It's worse than two point eight. Oh my! One point seven, Roberts. Like they're now again, they're down some O linemen. Uh, Chris Lindstrom was gone. I, I I think some other ones might have been banged up. That is inexcusable with those guys at running back. And we we played Carolina. Yep, Derek Brown's a dude. Brian Burns is not a run stuffer. No, no one else is on that team. So that's one. And, and Atlanta. I mean, you, what this looks like to me, this looks like what the Chargers did to Brandon Staley. They're quitting on their coach. They had two hundred and four yards of offense. Two hundred four. So bad. So bad. Now, again, I, I say that, and then what the heck did Chicago even have today? Don't ask. They had 3.6 yards per play. I think it was but last I 230, saw. 2.36. Maybe me. Is, is that where we're going to go tinfoil hat? They they gave this away because they want to get rid of Eberflus. The players did, and <sighs> the tank job. No way. And it was 3.4 yards per play. I was too high, actually. You were, you were too high. But. <laughs> you were too high. Hey. Uh, ah! <laughs> uh, a, a, a quarter star. Okay. Valus Jones, man. You know what? Uh, so yeah, my 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 not conspiracy theory. My theory on this is they needed someone with speed to get to the edge, and they're like, this guy can do that, and he yep. did twice. And then they did not do it again. They did. They did well, not run it at all. No, 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 because because you're gonna you're gonna do the toss crack to Herbert. Come on, it'll work this time it'll with the guy that time. can't cut in the slow. Doing it again when it's or like striking while the iron's hot. Why would we do that? The iron needs to cool. That's the whole point. <laughs> ridiculous, man. This is ridiculous. All right. So let's um, close out. Last thing is this. Eberflus, see ya. I trust Ryan Poles. 
I think we know where it's headed. Let's cheer on uh, Arizona to make a, a crazy comeback here. And uh, no matter what, we love our Bears. Absolutely. We love our Bears. I want to see them win ball games. Cheering for them to look or cheering for them to win ball games is way more fun than cheering for them to lose ball games. And I would like the Bears to build us a roster that can go compete for a playoff spot. I think the most frustrating part of this personally was that this looked a lot more, not the same, but right there in the fourth, it looked a lot more like that team from weeks one, two, and three than any of us would have liked to admit. And the fact that it, that felt like it was still in there is the problem. You know what I mean, Nick? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I hate that. I think that honestly, the longer that I've sat with this, getting a new coach is not going to be a slam dunk easy process, right? Like it's easy for podcasters to say, we get a new coach, we win the Super Bowl, bang. It's possible. It's possible that that happens, but it's nothing's guaranteed. Especially well, okay. How, how about this though? What is your confidence level that a new coach coming in isn't going to have horrendous leads that they give up and lose games? I hope they get the leads, right? But if they do get the leads, I tend to think that they're not going to squash them quite like that, right? But we'll see. Like, more than anything, Nick, we got three more games left in the Bears' season. One of them is on Christmas Eve. That's going to make podcasting very difficult because I do not think my wife is going to let me do that. So we will figure it out. I mean, I don't blame her either. It's a Christmas Eve afternoon game. Are you kidding me? Is it really? Yeah. It's a 3 p.m. start on Christmas Eve. Like, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you, NFL. That's that one's going to be really easy to explain. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to work on that one. Y'all we'll, we'll do. I, I got to think about my, my plans too. I mean, Oh, and you know, we can't exactly just do it the day after, right? Cause that would be Christmas. So. Right. And, 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 and then we got, um, New Year's Eve game too. Oh, we do. Yeah. Wait, noon like now. on New Year's Eve on New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. Please tell me that one's at least at like noon. It's noon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We could probably make that one work, but we'll see. Uh, until then, Bears fans, I'll see you tomorrow on, or I'll see you on Tuesday night as we go through the film of this one. It will be fun, mostly. Uh, and then, Nick, what you got going on as the week, uh, as the week shuffles? I think I'm going to have to ice up after this game. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got some wounds. I'm going to be, you know, sore. You know, that I think, well, like any Bear fan, you got to, you got to heal up a little bit. I, Actually, my uh, my fiance has a party that I'm, I'll be going to after we get off of this. So I'm nice. gonna go there. I'll probably have some some adult beverages and try to and try to heal. You know, I mean, the Packers didn't win, so again, y'all, I, I live in Wisconsin, so the Packers didn't win. So I don't think anyone's gonna be talking too much crap at me. Um, they may I try, probably though. I'm probably not gonna wear my Justin Fields sweatshirts there, though. I'll probably I'll probably bust out like a Christmas one. You know, one of my favorites is uh, let's see if you get this one, Robert. My favorite one is. Uh, is I think it's Yakutami Plaza. This has gone over my head, unfortunately. What is it? But one of the best Christmas movies, Die Hard. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's Die. I I just haven't seen Die Hard yet. Would you believe that? I know. What? I know. I I just I just haven't seen it yet. Which yeah, we yeah we got we got some guys yeah the comment sur- yeah they got surprises it. surprises me too right. They got I thought it. you were gonna go with the one of the best Christmas sweaters I remember seeing, which was like Mitch's. You guys want the lights on? Like from a, a little while ago, I thought that presser was hilarious. <laughs> my, my my other one is um, I have I don't know Margot. Do you know that reference? 
I think no. <laughs> Not off the top of my head. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is probably my second best Christmas movie. I have movie. seen that one. Yeah. And then and Elf is obviously number one for me. Right. Right. Now we've see, you even got your Christmas movie takes. Like mm-hmm. all the Christmas movie I watch or movies I watch are all the like sappy long ones like it's a wonderful life netflix is like klaus ended up really fun my young son it really enjoys that one i know right and then like so what exactly christmas on or what is it i think it's called like christmas on fifth street uh my wife loves serendipity so like when we go christmas movies like is she gonna make me go on hallmark i hope not man i don't think hallmark i don't have to deal with the hallmark thing but the city girl comes back to her hometown and the (laughs) country guy's still there like i mean it's the same thing over oh i mean it's the same thing every single time right it's like we were something in high school. What happened to us? You know I had to leave. You He's know I had to leave. Grandma with her town. groceries and she runs into him. Oh my. <laughs> you know, she's still or she's actually in town for a week before she leaves on her with her fiance on her European honeymoon. Or there it whatever is. Whatever yep. it is. Like yep. it's always <laughs> you ever seen the thing where it shows all of the covers to what those movies are? It's they all look almost identical. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. get something new. <laughs> That's not the point of a Hallmark. No. Anyways, we're we're going way off track. Hey, also though, y'all, I mean, this is gonna be airing and we'll have another one before then. But if y'all are traveling for the holidays, uh, be safe out there. Be safe out there, everybody. And until next time, bear down and thank you so much for bearing with us. <laughs>